Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. I am your Airways bartender, Ryan McGarrian. Uh, and if you're not familiar with us, we are a brand new show dedicated to content and interviews developed to help you make the very best of your future imbibing opportunities. So, uh, normally we're in Portland taping this uh, fantastic uh, show, but uh, we are on the road and we find ourselves today in Aspen, Colorado, very specifically at the Food and Wine Classic put on by Food and Wine Magazine. Uh, I've been here for several years. Uh, It is quite a hoot. Uh, You've got a literal cornucopia of some of the greatest chefs in the world, uh, as well as some of the great beverage professionals, everybody uh, from Mario Batali to Emerald to, to, to Bobby Flay to all the people you see on TV. Uh, you've got some of the great wine folk, Shane Bjornholm, uh, Josh Wesson. And for our uh, purposes, we uh, are excited to have one of the great uh, beverage professionals that uh, is here every year. She's a very good friend of mine. She has had an enormous impact on the, uh, on the craft cocktail movement over the past 10 years. Uh, we are here with uh, the uh, William and Grant Portfolio uh, Ambassador, uh, Charlotte Boise. Uh, Charlotte, how are you? Hey, Ryan. I'm great, thank you. Happy to be in Aspen. Always happy to be in Aspen. It's about 80 degrees here, if, as, as if you guys needed to hear that. And uh, Charlotte uh, is really seen by most as, uh, as really the brand champion for Hendrix Gin, which is part of her portfolio. I think that is how she is most recognized in the industry. Uh, they are very fortunate to have her. I don't think anybody has had as much impact on a single brand as perhaps Charlotte has had on Hendrix Gin. So we're going to talk a lot about Hendrix Gin today. Uh, but I also just want to talk about Charlotte's had a really cool road, and she's also one of the most successful females in the industry. And we're seeing a lot of women uh, finding a lot of ses- uh, success in the industry. And I want to you know, kind of address that. But first and foremost, Charlotte, I just want to talk about just I'd love you to just share your your industry journey from your beginnings. You uh, I think you began in the UK. Obviously, we, we love your accent but uh, yeah you want to share with us how you got into this into all this crazy stuff yeah so I bartended for a number of years in London and then started to run a cocktail bar it was called apartment 195 in Chelsea beautiful part of London the focus was really on classic cocktails we're talking 2002 London was about to explode it was having its epiphany it was the renaissance there was education understanding competitions all that good stuff and great people around to serve as great mentors um, so I was there for about four or five years until William Grant and Sons approached me with the idea of moving to America, connecting them, being their connector from corporate supplier to the bartender community. Um, so I saw travel in my future. I saw adventure. I saw the ability to stay in the industry I loved, work on my skills, but do something new, new challenges. And as, as I recall, uh, one of the coolest stories I heard about apartment was apartment 195, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Is that you had an all-female staff. Yeah, we did. We did. So this was back in 2002, which I guess was kind of uh, new at the time. Um, and we did, we did that so that there could be a platform for girls to come into cocktails, um, to feel comfortable about creating 
removing some of the pressures that at that time existed with kind of co-ed, if you will, bartender teams. We already had some very strong uh, bartenders from the likes of Milk and Honey in London that were the bone, the backbone of our team. And that's really what led to the idea of, hey, why not? Let's just do this. Let's make it all female and, and give girls a chance. That is so cool. You know, I think most uh, industry uh, followers would say that London was really kind of on the very forefront of the the cocktail renaissance or uh, of the past 10 years. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And, and I, my story is very much right time, right place. And I feel that London's road and journey and with the cocktail movement is very much a part of that. Um, but just when New Yorkers start to get a bit upset, we do uh, acknowledge that Dale DeGroff was one of the key guys that came over and helped us. But yeah, London, um, it still is now very creative, cutting edge, um, inspirational cocktail scene to be a part of. Uh, would you say there's a very specific kind of difference between the way craft bartenders go about creating cocktails in London versus, say, New York or Los Angeles? Is there kind of a definitive east of the Atlantic Ocean approach that, uh, that, that you might be able to kind of enlighten us upon? There is definitely a different style between London cocktails and New York, for example, as well as the other cities that exist over here now. Um, it's, it's a melange. I mean, London is a very cosmopolitan city, just as New York is. And we owe a lot of our graceful bartending to the Italians that came over very early um, with a meticulous way that they approach bartending with their European flair, with their understanding of the classics, you know, vermouth, martini, um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, also, I've always believed that because cocktails aren't inherently British, we perhaps don't have such a reverence for the classics in that we play around with them a little more. We were never afraid to kind of do new things early on, whereas in New York, I've always felt this passionate reverence for some of the classics, where there was perhaps in the beginning a little bit of apprehension of as to, well, how far can we twist this? Because things should be done a certain way. I feel like in London, we always had a freedom. Yeah, that was my experience as well. I remember my first trip uh, over there. Uh, it was actually uh, thanks to our friend Simon Ford and uh, when he was working with Plymouth. And, man, they took us all over the place. We went to all of the great early kind of London cocktail renaissance bars. We went to the, the Lonsdale and Milk and Honey and, and the Player. And, and I just remember just, just I couldn't believe the creativity. I remember... You know, our dear friend uh, Henry Besson, who passed recently, and just one of the great kind of industry professionals of all time. I remember that guy breaking out a Bunsen burner and, and whipping up kind of a, a, a warm punch right there in front of us. I mean, London, it really, like, deeply impacted me. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's so cool to get a, a genuine perspective from somebody who came up there. So I guess the next thing I'd like to talk to you about is, you know, what's it like I know a lot of bartenders are, are, are making this jump to move from, you know, managing a top cocktail bar to traveling around the world and, uh, and working as an ambassador for a brand. It's definitely a, a jump. It's a change. You go from having um, probably one of the most routine orientated roles in the industry, especially as a bar owner, bar manager. You know, you get in, you get things set up, you set up the bar, 
you're, you're into service, you have closed down, it's very routine heavy into no two weeks are the same, no two days are the same. You could be anywhere at any time with zero notice. Um, so you have to really be able to free up your mind and approach your work differently while maintaining the same level of professionalism, while channeling all of the passion that you have. Um, so it's very much a change um, lifestyle-wise as, as well as the actual content of the work that you're producing. Um, the other biggest change, of course, is that you go from working with everything and everyone in this industry to honing in on one spirit or one portfolio, as I now do. Um, so you you really have to be true and connected to that brand and really believe in it to, to make it work. Um, that's probably the, the two biggest changes for me. Again, we are with uh, Bar Superstar and William Grant uh, Portfolio Manager Charlotte Boise uh, here on the Liquid Lifestyle. And I tell you what, um, you know, like I said in our in our intro, uh, you know, Charlotte, you are you are Hendrix Gin in the United States, and I'd love to hear like how you became so particularly particularly passionate about that fantastic brand. Well, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. It's nice to hear that, uh, you know, the hard work does pay off and is recognized, honestly. Um, I, for me, I mean, I met Hendrix Gin very early on while I was still at Apartment 195, and it was just, it was different. It was elegant. It was graceful. It was fun. The liquid itself was approachable. This was gin um, reinvented. This was not necessarily, when I tasted gin, it, it didn't take me to make a gin and tonic with Hendrix. It took me to create. It took me to understand the whole wealth of flavors that gin can be and is. I mean, it, gin is botanicals. Botanicals is such a wide scope of natural growing things which uh, turn into flavors. So I think just the different approach to flavor with gin and Hendrix really inspired me. Um, that along with the beautiful bottle, the fun, quirky events and the personal personality that the brand had um there's just there's so much to fall in love with yeah it's been really fun to see you uh over the years as you've i mean you're i mean you may as well own the freaking brand because uh i mean that's that's how i feel when i'm around you you have an authentic passion and uh and i love watching the way you approach events and like you are so all in you're such a a, a great role model for young men and women in the industry uh we are going to jump out again we're with charlotte Boise here in aspen on the road and we'll be right back at you in a, in a minute or so Alright, welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle. Again, we are on the road out of Portland uh, in an Aspen, Colorado today at the Food and Wine Classic. We are stoked to have Charlotte Boise, the William Grant portfolio ambassador and one of the world's most famous and well-loved bartenders with us. And uh, if you were uh, here last segment, uh, you uh, got to hear about uh, Hendrix Gin, which is her charge. And uh, like I said, uh, she really kind of takes full ownership of this brand and uh, has helped it uh, just explode. And uh, with Hendrix's explosion, I'd say Hendrix, Hendrix's success has, has been the success for gin, gin in general. I mean, I think that it really has uh, opened uh, a door to get a lot more people to kind of revisit a spirit that m so many people, I think, have been afraid of for the past 30 years. So uh, this is a fun segment. We're going we're gonna to taste. We're gonna, we, uh, Charlotte and I are sitting here, and we've got a little bit of Hendrix on ice. And uh, Charlotte, why don't you walk us through uh, the botanicals and a little tasting here? 
Sure. So I think most people who know Hendrix know that our famous botanicals are cucumber and rose. And just in those two botanicals, it's all about refreshment and aroma, right? If you think about a quintessential gin and tonic in the summertime, you want to be refreshed. And then gin is all about aromas for me. Gin is the most aromatic spirit. So those are the two we're most well known for. But like every gin, our base is juniper. Um, so the juniper berry is the base of Hendrix, which provides this kind of delicate spice. Um, coupled with coriander seed, those two really are the backbone of, I think, most gins, uh, in, in particular Hendrix. Um, then we go on to the citrus elements. So we use a dried lemon peel and a dried orange peel, which totally come through in the aroma. And again, just provide both an aromatic and, in my opinion, a kind of refreshing note, which you can carry through in cocktails very well. Um, we have uh, floral is a, is a big part of Hendrix, right? It's often described as a floral gin, a delicate floral gin, as well as the rose petal. We have chamomile, we have elderflower, and we use a yarrow flower, um, which we incorporated when meadowsweet became uh, <laughs> deemed dangerous uh, by the FDA over here in America. What the heck <laughs> is meadowsweet? I think that's what they said. They'd never heard of it, so they deemed it as poisonous. Um, it's a tiny little flower, and to be honest, it's such a minute part of the botanical mix in Hendrix that um, we were able to find something close enough not to affect the overall um, botanical makeup and flavor. Um, so those are our flowers. And then, like most gins, we have a couple of what we call fixatives or roots, angelica root and oris root, which are really just kind of ground up in powder form. And what they do is they bind together to promote or provide a platform for some of the botanicals that are more delicate, like the florals, like the lemon peel perhaps, that otherwise wouldn't be pushed to the fore during distillation and wouldn't come through as well. Um, plus we have uh, caraway seed, which if you think of pumpernickel bread, again, those beautiful aromatics, um, really just rounding out the flavor profile of Hendrix. And if that doesn't make you thirsty, my friends, well, I wish you were here uh, able to have a sip of this with us. So, uh, Charlotte, cheers. Why don't we go ahead, have a little sip and, uh, you know, just a little tutorial. When you're uh, tasting, sipping on a new spirit, uh, make sure you don't stick your nose right deep in the glass like you would, uh, like you would a wine. Because, obviously, uh, spirit has a much higher alcohol content. And if you get too close, you're going to anesthetize yourself and you're not going to enjoy it. So, make sure when you are nosing spirits, stay about an inch away and breathe through both your nose and your mouth. Ox get tons of oxygen in there it's gonna especially with gin it's just gonna it's amazing all the little layers that have come out and you know um, and uh, you know we were out last night and drinking some Hendrix and sodas which is a super refreshing way to do that but we're sitting here with uh, just straight Hendrix on 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 an ice cube and man it's just so clean and refreshing I mean it's like you, you've got to feel fortunate that the the brand that you're uh, a champion for is something that you'd want to drink on nearly a daily basis well, absolutely. And again, that goes back to this line of work, picking something that not, not only do you love and are comfortable talking about, but that you actually enjoy. Because let's be frank, a big part of the job is, you know, imbibing Hendrix cocktails with people um, and, and being passionate and encouraging um, other people to, to do the same. So the approachability and balance of the flavor of Hendrix is one of the most important things to me. 
And perhaps the second is the way that it's made, right? I mean, this is William Grant and Sons. been making the world's best single malt scotch since the 1800s. They know a thing or two about how to distill spirit. So when you've got a copper pot distillation um, done in the way that we do with Hendrix, you've got a great mouthfeel on the spirit. You've got good quality so that you know that, you know, you stick to moderation, you'll be okay the next day. Um, so it's just it's a lovely spirit to enjoy by itself and that's when it's the most expressive gin is really rarely drunk by itself it's, it's born to be mixed but as you as you mentioned before when you taste in a spirit when you want to investigate and learn it's really best expressed by itself so I got a question for you. Where does Hendrix get its name? I mean, it's got this incredible package. The uh, the branding is, is some of the best we've ever seen in our industry. Uh, but off the top of my head, I don't even know that story. Well, there is a story, and uh, let's assume it's true. <laughs> so up in Scotland, where Hendrix is made um, by the family that run William Grant and and real quick, uh, we are with Charlotte Boise here in Aspen, Colorado, the uh, brand champion for uh, Hendrix Gin and also the portfolio manager for William Grant & Sons. Charlotte, again, keep going. So uh, up in Scotland, um, one of the, the great aunts of uh, the family would uh, often sit outside on a summer's day and enjoy a gin and tonic, which if you're a Scot, you really shouldn't be doing because gin is an English drink. Anyhow, her garden, she had a rose garden. Um, which uh, was really the inspiration for using rose in Hendrix Gin. That's where the idea came from. Um, so we, Aunt Jenny, would sit around her rose garden, and of course the uh, gardener who would tend to her rose bushes became a dear friend. And uh, she was enjoying one of the first prototypes of what would become Hendrix Gin, and she called to her gardener. She said, Hendrick, come over here. I'd like you to try something. And of course that's where the name comes from. So after the gardener that tended to the rose bushes. After the garter that tended to the rose bushes, man, it is so fun to sit outside on an 80-degree day and sip on some fine gin, specifically today, Hendrix Gin. Again, Charlotte Boise with us. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about uh, is how you feel Hendrix is best mixed. My favorite way to mix Hendrix is, first and foremost, in a way that allows the gin to shine through. Um, I think it's one of the successes of a great cocktail is that the base spirit shines through so you detect the nuances and flavors that you like and then that's allowed to express so for me it's never with too heavy ingredients F simple example you take a classic negroni uh, equal parts gin campari and sweet vermouth we're actually going to have to stop right there. Uh, we're going to jump out for just a moment, but uh, Charlotte Boise is with us. We're talk talking Hendrix Gin Mixability, and we'll be right back to continue on that topic. All right, welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle. Again, we are out of P-Town today, and we are in Aspen, Colorado at the Food and Wine Classic with my good friend, industry superstar, and William and Grant uh, portfolio manager uh, as well, Hendrix brand champion, Charlotte Boise. In our last segment, we, uh, we were just kind of getting towards the end, and we were talking about the best way to mix Hendrix. And I know you were uh, talking about the Negroni. And again, for those who don't know, a Negroni is a simple one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one balance of gin, Campari, which is an Italian bitter liqueur, and sweet vermouth, which is what's called an aromatized wine. Charlotte, let's talk about Hendrix and a Negroni. 
Right. So classic Negroni, equal parts gin, Campari, sweet vermouth, as you've described, those are all quite big ingredients. Now, new gin, Hendrix gin, softer, more delicate. You put that in a classic Negroni recipe, you don't know you're drinking Hendrix, right? So for me, Hendrix has to shine through. So you've got to alternate the ratios. You've got to bring down the Campari, bring down the sweet vermouth. Or I created what I call the unusual Negroni, which is equal parts Hendrix, Aperol in place of Campari, which we lovingly refer to as baby Campari. Very similar, um, Italian aperitif, but softer, less aggressive in its flavor profile. And I like to say uh, Aperol is, it really just tastes like a very light rhubarb, beer rhubarb and orange bubblegum. <laughs> True, Kinda yeah. Trippy, huh? I hadn't thought of it like that, but that makes sense. Very drinkable. And then in place of a sweet vermouth, using Lillet Blanc, which is a French aperitif. Not technically a vermouth at all, but has similar flavor profiles. It's an aromatized wine um, that has a sweeter note to it. So what I've done is I've taken a classic recipe, but made it relevant for a new gin, Hendrix Gin. And uh, we would call that, a lot of us, uh, especially the East Coast uh, craft bartending, we call that Mr. Potato Head bartending. And I've, I, our friend Phil Ward came up with that term, and I've always enjoyed it because I think the best drinks do come from honoring the simple kind of timeless uh, ways that classics work. And then with, your, with one's own knowledge and own perspective, you know, metamorphosizing those things and creating your own uh, unique concoction. And gosh, Charlotte, you've come up with so many uh, cocktails that are kind of being used at bars around the world over the past several years. Are there like two or three that you feel like that you've created maybe just most define the, the liquid cooking style of Charlotte Boise? Oof, um, I'm sure. I mean, my preferred style of mixing and enjoying drinks myself is a, a shaken cocktail, something refreshing along the likes of a South Side. But, you know, with Hendrix and a little fresh cucumber, we'd do a cucumber South Side. I also very much enjoy a French 75 and enjoy kind of twisting that on the floral end with a rosé sparkling. Um, so French 75 is a classic gin cocktail, gin, fresh lemon juice, champagne. In this day and age, you can use any good sparkling wine. So if you twist that a little and use a rosé, it becomes a little more floral and perhaps, you know, a more feminine style um, Hendrix cocktail. And darn sexy looking at that. And Charlotte, you also mentioned the South Side, which to me is like, I think, going to be the future Trojan horse of the gin world. And if you don't know what a Southside is, uh, it is a, I call it a vintage drink because it's it's not a classic because to me a classic is something every imbiber knows. So obviously a lot of you probably haven't heard of a Southside, but just think of a Southside as a gin mojito substituting lemon for lime. And I tell you what, I bet a hundred, I bet a thousand when introducing gin to people using that particular de delivery vehicle. Have you found the same success with that drink, Charlotte? Absolutely. And it's, it's the moment where someone might approach the table at an event or in the bar and say, well, I don't like gin. What can you make me? And every once in a while, you might be cheeky enough to go ahead and make them a gin cocktail anyway. And they enjoy it. You see that sparkle in their eyes. They break into a smile when they taste it. And they'll come back and say, this is great. What is it? And you'll say, well... 
it's a it's a south side it's actually a gin cocktail um, so for me it's very much about the cocktails you choose to show off the gin that make the difference it's not about do you like the gin or not it's how it shows in cocktails absolutely i've i've always uh, thought of it the same way is that gin doesn't necessarily reveal itself as gin in a mixed drink but becomes a spicing agent i've even uh, you know had fun playing with simple drinks like a cosmopolitan substituting gin for the vodka and giving it to a vodka Cosmo drinker and they're like wow this is so much better and you know I think one of the challenges we've always had with gin is just it's it's image uh, probably it's black sheep image from prohibition and the fact that you know so many gins out there they're delicious but they you know they're very juniper forward and I don't know that the American drinker has has the palate or the exposure to understand and appreciate uh, juniper so one thing I have to ask you you know gin and tonic will always be a primary delivery vehicle for the category. But with so many wonderful tonics on the market, is there one in particular that works best with Hendrix? So if somebody goes and buys a bottle of Hendrix today, what tonic are you telling them to buy? There's a there's great tonics on the market now, as you mentioned. The two that I love with Hendrix would be Fever Tree and also Q Tonic, which are fairly widely available now. Um, they, they work well with the botanical mix of Hendrix. I mean, we could spend hours tasting different gins and different tonics and the combinations that exist. Let's do that. Let's, let's just cut right out and, and go and do a massive gin and tonic uh, for, uh, horizontal. No, please continue. No, no, it's true. And then, of course, there's the garnish too, right? With Hendrix, we always like to garnish our gin and tonics with a slice of cucumber. It helped us kind of brand drinks and bring the uh, story of Hendrix to life across America. That was really my mission in the early days, just get a slice of cucumber in every glass. Um, some people prefer a lime, which has a bit more zip and bite to it. Others prefer lemon. Um, so the varieties of a simple drink as a gin and tonic are endless, really. And one, uh, one of the other v uh, simple delivery vehicles I like to talk about is the gin and soda. Uh, a lot of people don't think to put those two things together, but I got to tell you, uh, you know, having the Hendrix and soda last night, just the way those bubbles pushed for those botanicals, uh, I highly recommend just like, you know, going a little bit off piece, so to speak, and, and giving a gin and soda, perhaps a Hendrix and soda, a shot. So, um, you know what, uh, moving to another topic, uh, I'd love to just, uh, what's... You know, you travel around the world all the time. I've seen you on almost every continent. Um, what is a day in your life like as, a, uh, as the Hendrix brand champion? There's no typical day, right? So I can probably create a fantastical one for you, but they generally start with an early morning. For me, it's to get a quick workout in before I run to the airport usually, right? Because travel is a lot about what we do, bringing to life, um, you know, our brands, our messages, our events in every corner of this country. So there's a lot of flying involved, um, which you know a lot of time spent in airports but often once you land you just hit the ground running it's very rare that you'll get to go to your hotel check in freshen up check email all of that we consider luxuries it's usually straight to some kind of lunch event which could be with a, a local usbg chapter so a group of local bartenders and it's about education right a lot of what we do is relationship based we have a lot of fun people see the parties but what we're ultimately trying to do is to share share knowledge about our brand of course but also about technique with bartending about how to create cocktails about how to enjoy them there might be service based seminars that we do um, and and everything revolving around you know food and drink so we'll pick a great bar in a city and we'll host people and and get our message across 
And then it could be onto some what we call account calls, where we actually walk into bars and restaurants and talk with the very people that are buying and selling our brands on a daily basis, understand their issues, uh, talk to them, again, give them information, education about the brand, um, see what we can do to better help their business because it's a very sharing business. It has to be if you're going to be successful. Um, we talk a lot in, in ambassador circles about hitting four audiences. So every time I'm, I travel, I try and hit our four audiences, which are trade or bartenders, consumer direct, so members of the public that are interested in cocktails. We talk a lot about media as well, so press, interviews with journalists or radio interviews in Aspen if I'm lucky enough. <laughs> and then the fourth audience is our own sales force, our internal colleagues or our distributor sales force who are out there working with us on a daily basis. So any day, really, a perfect day should hit all four audiences. So what you're saying is you've got boatloads of sky miles, don't you, Charlotte? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm saving those up for some rainy days in the future. And if Charlotte uh, next week had it off and could go anywhere in the world, where would that be? Somewhere exotic. I'm thinking the Galapagos Islands or Madagascar or somewhere where hopefully nobody knows me and I can go relax. <laughs> and that sounds like you. You're an adventurer, Charlotte. If you know her, she loves to hike. She loves to run. We've gone skiing and Whistler together after doing trainings. Uh, it's uh, She's a, a champion of the balanced lifestyle, which is something we'll get to in our final segment. Again, you are listening to Ryan McGarrian on the Liquid Lifestyle here in Aspen with Charlotte Boise Hendricks, brand champion. We are back with you here in Aspen, Colorado, on the road from Portland, Oregon. You are with the Liquid Lifestyle. This is Ryan McGarrian here with Hendricks brand champion, well-known, super-respected London bartender Charlotte Boise. We've been talking about all things uh, Hendricks, Hendricks gin, Hendricks's mixability, her background as a London bartender. Uh, and one of the things that both Charlotte and I are very passionate about is finding balance uh, in our booze-laden professions. And Charlotte, I'd just love you to just offer a few tips to the imbiber who travels quite a bit. Do you, ha do you have anything, any ideas that can, can help somebody who likes to enjoy a good cocktail on a regular basis uh, better maximize their their, their, their lifestyle with regards to travel? For me, it was always about the holy trinity, if I can, of sleep, diet, and exercise. I respect those three things greatly, and I think it's what sees me through. Um, there is a lot of being involved. There's a lot of tasting. There's a lot of going out um, and drinking. So I keep those three things as a priority. For example, eight hours sleep is something I respect and something that I strive to achieve every day if I can. And that alone is a phenomenal challenge for someone who travels and has the kind of lifestyle that I do and many of my peers as brand ambassadors do. But it's the most important thing for you. Um, exercise too. I exercise every single day. It keeps me straight. It keeps me focused. It gives me time to think. It's my time. It keeps me healthy. I do it first thing in the morning. That way I know that whatever comes up in the day, I'm good. I'm solid. I've done my exercise. And then lastly, eating healthily. You just have to. I mean, it's part and parcel of a strong, healthy, mindful life. Um, I went vegetarian four or five years ago. That's not strictly for health reasons. It's a you know multitude of personal reasons, um, but it's definitely 
definitely awakened me to cook in for myself as much as I can so that I'm aware of what's going into my food. So many times we're in restaurants and airports where you don't know everything that's uh, going in. Something might appear to be healthy, but it could be laden with salt and sugar. So um, I cook for myself a lot, which I think uh, goes a long way. And cooking for oneself when you travel as much as Charlotte is quite a rare thing. And uh, anybody who knows Charlotte, again, Charlotte Boise, Hendricks brand champion, uh, has just she's been around for a long time i mean you've been doing this for how many years now yeah i mean this is like my 10th year in aspen which was kind of the beginning of my american career and then a few years back in london too so it's it's been a while and i think the stay in power has a lot to do with respecting myself respecting my body keeping healthy because i love it so much i don't want to burn out and have to quit i want to keep doing this so you've got to find a way to sustain it I tell you what, if you were here sitting with us, you would notice that she does look like a fitness competitor. It is a, a rare thing to see that in our industry, and, uh, man, she's just been so good with that. Um, Charlotte, you're living in New York these days, and so many, uh, lots of Portlanders love to take a weekend, a long weekend, a week, whatever. They love to go to New York and bump around. You know, we're a city full of people who love food and drink. Uh, any, any kind of tips you can share on the hottest new bars and restaurants uh, in your fair town uh, that we might want to check out? Yeah, there's, the, th the great thing about New York is there's so much to see and there's so many new bars opening all of the time. So there's this fresh selection of new spots and new ideas to check out. Most recently, Leyenda in Brooklyn, which is across the street from probably my favorite bar, the Clover Club. Um, Ivy Mix runs Leyenda. It's an homage to South American spirits. Everything from Mezcal to Pisco, Cachaca, great rum selection. Just very cool, well-executed drinks in a great bar. Um, the Dead Rabbit uh, deserves all of the fame and hype it gets over in the financial district. It's a quick ferry ride from where I live, which is a beautiful way to spend your evening. Um, they've just opened their third floor, so there's more to check out reason to go back um, and then there's new bars like Porchlight which is Danny Meyer's um, step into the cocktail play which is great to see and again a fantastic bar um, the happiest hour I was just at this week for the first time in the West Village beautiful bar tropical looking lots of fun there's so much going on in New York it's uh, it's hard for me to keep up and I live there <laughs> well man I tell you just that alone will keep you busy for for several evenings uh, we're uh, winding down here uh, Charlotte I've got you here one of London's greatest bartenders and uh, I you know what kind of just a few tips for uh, for me for our listener on you know making great drinks at home so making great drinks anywhere, I have a mantra, excellent drinks can only be made from excellent ingredients. Sounds pretty simple, but once you dissect that, it's good quality spirits, the best you can afford. It's fresh citrus juice. It's making things from scratch where you can, again, so you know what goes into to things. Um, but it's also the ingredient of good technique, understanding when to stir and when to shake. Having the best ice that you can, silicon ice molds using bottled or boiled water to fill them, you're going to have nice ice cubes to use at home making sure your glassware is size appropriate and temperature appropriate so if you're making a cold martini style drink chill down that glassware first because you know even if you're from Britain nobody likes a warm martini um, all these things are super important you can google this young lady and see her in action on YouTube her name is Charlotte Boise again uh, and I hope all of you at some point in your imbibing lifestyle have the opportunity to sip one of her extremely passionate and balanced drinks again thanks for joining us Charlotte thanks so much for having me Ryan and signing out uh, here on the road in Aspen Colorado uh, reminding you to always drink your best this is Ryan McGarrian and we'll get back to you soon